All right. All right. Well, uh, okay. I think we should uh, kick this off then. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I got my list here. Got mine as well. Yeah. Dude, I I was like, it was really funny putting this together. It was like, it seemed like such a good idea. And then I started looking through and I'm like, I I just have like 40 movies for each. And I still (laughs) feel like I barely scratched the surface, you know, of like what's on here. Yeah. Right. But um, yeah, I tried to dial in my recommendations a little bit. So you said you did Netflix, Hulu, and Disney Plus, yeah? Yeah. Okay, cool. I did Netflix and um, and the old Amazon Prime. Oh, okay, cool. So, Cobains, Cobains. Um, all right, well, I'll, we'll start this off proper. Uh, yeah. I'm Bobby Navia. And I'm Dorian Weinzimmer. And welcome, everybody, to... Uh, New episode of the couch, uh, experimenting with yeah, doing a, you, a home recording you may, here. <laughs> you may notice we sound a little different than normal. <laughs> just hopefully, just a smidge, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bobby should sound the same. I probably sound different. Yeah. Uh, we are in quarantine mode here at the podcast. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, luckily, I had a uh, a recording device handy uh, device handy, so we're not uh, subjecting our our wonderful listeners to you know, my voice through Bobby's laptop into the microphone <laughs> and kind of nonsense. Yeah. So. Right. I kept thinking, uh, all the, um, all with all of the movies that were in theaters and then they came to, you know, uh, video on demand. Yeah. I was like, Oh, they, they're calling it a, a home release, like on iTunes uh-huh. and stuff like that. And I was uh-huh. like, okay, cool. I'm going to call this like the home release you know, episode of the couch, but then I thought to myself, like, it's always released at home, so it doesn't yeah. really, you know, t- depending it's, on where you are when you listen. Yeah, it's, it's really no different for anyone <laughs> except the two of us. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but yeah, you know, uh, people might be wondering to themselves, like, hey, so you guys, you know, review movie trailers, and, um, you know, movies in theaters aren't really a thing anymore. <laughs> so what the fuck are you doing? Uh, and, you know, it's funny. We asked ourselves the same thing uh, a few days ago. We were like, hey, you know, movies in theaters aren't really a thing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> There's not really any trailers to review. Nope. Um, so, yeah, or, you know, that would make any sense to review because who the fuck knows when any movie is ever coming out again? Um, honestly, uh, nobody knows right now. Yeah. Uh, which is a huge bummer. Um, but you know, we're all, we're all out here trying to make fucking lemonades out of lemons in our own way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we figured, you know, this is, uh, a, a good opportunity to highlight some stuff that people maybe were like, ah, oh, it's too long or like, I just don't have time or, you know, there's so many other things I want to watch. It's like, well, you know, we've all got time right now. Um, everybody, yeah, public service announcement. If you're not staying the fucking side, you should be staying the fucking side right now. <laughs> uh, Yeah. So definitely be doing that. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, there's some this this is the time people, you know, all those like art films you've said like, oh, one day I'm going to like get cultured and I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to actually sit down and, and pay attention when I have the time. It's like, well, motherfuckers, you've got the time. <laughs> so <laughs> Yes. So you're not only doing a public service by staying inside, but you'll be doing yourself a great a, a tremendous service to yourself and your soul. By enriching Ooh. yourself in this time Ooh. of uncertainty, you're getting yeah. deep so, already. Yeah, we, we hey, hey, we ain't even I, ten minutes. We ain't even ten minutes in, and uh, you're you're there, <laughs> man. I've part of me has been waiting for this, man. <laughs> like <laughs> it's like 
to, you know, the past like 30 years of my life of people constantly telling me like, mm, yeah, maybe I'll get around I'll to check it, it out. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. Well, guess what, motherfuckers? <laughs> get around to it. <laughs> I feel like you have that list. Uh, what was that? Uh, what was that movie? Uh, is it Billy Madison? Right? Is it Billy Madison or one of the Adam Sandler movies? But it's where he calls. Uh, um, what's his name? Oh, Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi uh, to apologize to him. Right. Yeah, yeah, and he just turns around and crosses him off of like his <laughs> hit list. Yeah, <laughs> with uh, with uh, what is it? Red lipstick, and then just puts the lipstick on his lips. That's right. I yeah. imagine you just have a list of all of us and everything you've ever recommended that we would tell you uh-huh. when we watched, and you know. <laughs> I'll leave the I'll leave the you know red lipstick up to our listeners' imaginations. However, yeah, I'm sure it'll be something like that. Yeah, I mean you're not far off from the truth there, Bobby. All right, I got to tell you. <laughs> uh, well, before we start getting into what we broke down and and what we're gonna suggest, I was looking at our uh, our episodes, like our most recent episodes, and our last like one, two, three, four uh, episodes minus. Uh, Deerskin, which was last week's uh, trailer mm-hmm. episode, are all now out to rent. Oh, all the movies. All the movies. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bloodshot, so, The Hunt. Uh, so uh, the Emma. Oh, yeah, that's uh, the, right. In, the Emma, The Invisible Man, uh, Bloodshot is out on Tuesday, and uh, The Hunt is out uh, right now as well. So if you're interested wow. in watching a tr- those trailers and then our episodes and then renting it for $20, you know, please go on back uh, and, and listen yeah. to those episodes. Wow. Our, our show just became a very different thing <laughs> <laughs> retroactively. Yeah. Um, also I didn't realize how many unit that's like all the universal movies that they released early. Yeah. 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 I didn't, I didn't realize we had been on a universal streak for a while. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I guess we knew with Bloomhouse, with The Hunt and Invisible Man, but I, right. I, I didn't actually realize until you know the news that they were uh, releasing all those um, uh, to rent uh, that Emma was a Universal picture as well. It's it's one of their you know it's their like indie sub label. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever that is, I I can't recall, but it doesn't say like a Universal picture on. It, I don't think at least right. Um, Regardless, though, yeah, we were giving Universal some love <laughs> for a minute there. Yeah, big time, big time. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, do you want to uh, you want to kick it off? You want me to kick it off? Do you want to start with a particular streaming service or? Yeah, I guess. Okay, so here's what we got. So I guess people can kind of navigate the episode a little bit. Yeah. Uh, if they want, I guess let's let's start with Netflix. Okay. Fucking everyone's got fucking Netflix. Everybody's got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we both did recommendations for Netflix, so we'll start with that. And then Bobby also is going to have some recommendations for uh, uh, Hulu and Disney Plus, right? Uh, and then I've got some for Amazon Prime. Okay. So yeah, we tried to do some some of the more like ubiquitous streaming services right now that kind of like everyone's probably got at least one or two of these, and you know would be able to listen to this and be able to immediately go watch some movies without spending any money. Right. Uh, exactly. Or a, additional money, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you are paying for the subscription. But <laughs> uh, why don't you go first? Okay. Yeah. Fire it up, Bobby. Uh. So one thing that I have uh. One thing that I started uh, revisiting, uh, I'm going to do some like two two TV recommendations. I don't have a lot for Netflix, only because there's just so much crap on there anyways that yeah. I probably scroll through it more than I actually sit down and watch something. 
Yeah. So exactly. like my list for Netflix is it's only four things that I think are maybe worth sitting down and being like, let's turn on Netflix and watch this. Yeah, Netflix is more of an exercise in futility than it is a movie <laughs> streaming service. It's it's like an app designed to just like waste time. Yeah. Without actually doing anything. <laughs> Um, all right. So the first one, uh, the first one I have down is I've, I've started uh, rewatching The West Wing. Uh, and uh, it's a very favorite show of mine. I've this I think might be the third time I will be watching the entire series. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, it's I've like never seen a single episode. Hey, you know, <laughs> it's, it's OK. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I never really got into it when it, I think the first season came out in 1999. Um, and so I never really got into it and, uh, I don't, I might've been, I might've even been out of like flashpoint, uh, when I watched it for the first time and Mm. just really dug it. And, um, I think it was one of these things where it was like, um, when you and I were having our conversation about, um, David Fincher, like when we were like listening to that rewatchables podcast and stuff. And Uh when we were doing like our top movies and stuff, Oh, it was when we were doing our top movies and we were talking about social network. Oh, sure. And I was telling you that like so much of like social network or, you know, uh, informed me of like David Fincher and Aaron Sorkin. And so Mm -hmm. this was like a byproduct me going and watching West wing was like a byproduct of, uh, like the Sorkin dialogue and stuff and just wanting to hear more of that in different areas and places and stuff. And just got like wrapped up in the, um, you know, the Sorkinness, the Sorkinness of it. Um, (laughs) and also I was trying to get Jeremy to watch it for the entire two years we lived together. He never did. Um, but uh, there's just something sort of like hopeful and respectful about America in that movie. And I mean, aside from, you know, like Fourth of July or something like I'm I, I, I mean, I don't own an American flag and hang it out of my house or anything <laughs> like that. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a there's a particular type of reverence that like I know they're all actors and it's a show, but that the show treats like, you know, the office of the presidency with and yes, sir, and this and that, that um, I don't know, I guess I wasn't really exposed to on television a lot. So just watching that and it that being the cons- the consist the consistency being like, you know, being respectful of others, you know, like helping others, all this kind of stuff inside whatever the drama that was going on was just uh, it almost kind of felt like watching just a positive television show that wasn't mm-hmm. about, you know, like something dumb. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, well, so it's just funny how that show has become a fantasy now that like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, president actually acting presidential is right. not really a thing anymore. Exactly. Yeah, I, uh, that's probably why, because at first I was going to be like, man, that's weird. Like that show just seems seems as though it would totally be up Jeremy's alley. That's what I thought, he, too. Yeah, he loves that kind of meaty yeah. dialogue, actors just chewing on it, you know, walking around like. We're yeah. on a steady cam. We're moving through. We're getting shit done. Holy fuck! I got personal problems too. I'm dealing with those on the side. Hopefully, this guy doesn't find out. Like yes. Um. But yeah, during you know, with just how uh, politically anxious he is, you know, in some ways, uh, I would I would see how that that might just like drive him up the wall. It, it, just like seeing the office of the president being treated this way, and just <laughs> yeah. like constantly thinking about the fact that it's like it's not like this anymore, man. It's just not. It doesn't mean right. shit anymore. <laughs> like it would, he would probably just start pulling his hair out. There's a part of me that I would I would try to sell him on it in like a really you know positive way, like 
And uh-huh. I think that might have been his problem with it is that it was just like portraying politics in maybe a too positive way because he's just so steeped in like, you know, the grime of it and like the shittiness uh-huh. of this administration <laughs> that's like whatever anybody's going to show of the White House, it'll just be like, no, that's not that's not that's not that's not right. It's, it's, yeah. it's not really how it is. So, you know, um, but uh, but yeah, so I've been rewatching that. I just. I think I'm on like the fourth or fifth episode of the second season right now. Nice. Yeah. So I guess uh, it's a it's a form of escapism, you know, seeing as how the show's pretty old by now. But uh-huh. uh, I still get a kick out of it. I like the dialogue. I like the characters. Everyone just clicks, you know. Um, and I've also been listening to it in conjunction with a podcast called West Wing Weekly that... Uh, one of the actors from the show that joined the show in like season four and another gentleman, they, um, they're going through the season, uh, they're going through all seasons episode by episode and talking to them. And occasionally they'll bring in some of the actors, uh, from the show who played some of the principal, you know, characters. And then other times they'll actually bring in people who have like worked for Bill Clinton or, uh, worked for, you know, uh, vice president Al Gore and talk about how the real life as it, you know, pertains to the show back in that time and what was going on and stuff. Cause I guess a lot of the writers and the creators had, uh, access to, you know, the Clinton administration while they were still in office, um, and got to like pick their brains about different kinds of things and stuff. So, um, cool. so that's been really, that's been a nice little, attachment to listen to while going through the episodes again yeah yeah the other tv one i have is uh this is this is one on dorian's list for me is that i started Mm -hmm. watching twin peaks i've never seen i've never seen twin peaks before and uh i'm two episodes in uh i will watch more i i plan to finish it so i will i will commit time there's no there's like really no (laughs) excuse now (laughs) No, exactly. None whatsoever. So it's, yeah. That's why I wanted to get that out of the way at the front in case this came up. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so, yeah, I started watching Twin Peaks, and uh, it's been really good so far, and I'm uh, I'm very excited to see where it goes, seeing as I've never watched it before. Yeah, oh, man, and let me tell you, you have no fucking clue where it goes. I, <laughs> I honestly don't, it's, no. It'll, it'll go everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, this was, you know, on my list, it was something I was going to harp on everybody because Twin Peaks is definitely a show that like, I have a long history of recommending this show to people and them not listening to me for like 10 years (laughs) and then, and then they finally watch it. And then I get this, you know, text message or phone call from somebody that's just like, dude, I am so sorry that like, I didn't listen to you that whole time. Like I fucking love this show so much. It's so good. Like you know, all this shit. And it's just like, yeah, no, it's cool. It's like, it's one of those things, you know, yeah, it's, it's very much a product of its times. And I'm not going to say that it's like, it's ageless. Cause it's not, it's like, it's totally like 1990. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> in, yeah, yeah, yeah. In so many ways, but at the same time, it's like there, there is something, you know, the, the Lynchian part of it is so timelessly artistic and like brilliant and you know, that it, it works just as well, no matter when you see it for the first time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so in that sense, yes, it is, it is a timeless thing. So, you know, I'm not worried about like, man, no, you got to watch it now. Like it's going to feel like so old and weird and dated and shit like that. I'm like, this is one of those shows I never worry about that with, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, like, like that HBO show Oz, that's one that like, I feel it's just, if you, if you hadn't already seen it, like, don't even bother now. 
It's <laughs> okay. just, it's, it's too dated, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's too perfectly like, you know, 1998 to 2004, like digital video. Okay. Okay. And, you know, just some of the filmmaking techniques and shit like that. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't work very well anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I remember a few years ago, I think Hannah tried like turning, you know, we had watched it a while ago and both really dug it. And then she, like a few years ago, she tried turning it on just like in the background and got like one or two episodes in. She was like, I just, I just can't watch this show anymore. It's so, <laughs> it's really rough. Like it, it just, it looks unpleasant, you know, it's okay. just like bad digital video and shit. Uh, but at the time was like unique and interesting and shit. And you know, there, there was like that aesthetic kind of existed in the world, but now it's like that shit's been cleaned up and improved so much that right. it's, it's just rough. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Twin Peaks though, doesn't have that issue. Watch that fucking anytime. I'm not saying people should procrastinate, um, but again, it's, you know, when people like, they, they don't watch it for like 10 years of me bugging them about it. I'm just like, it's cool. Whenever you watch it, it's going to be just as mind blowing, you know? Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah. And then great now also that like, you know, the third season happened, which was exceptionally good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's just, you got like so much awesome shit ahead of you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I will say it, it, I, I, I like to just give everyone this preface that like part of season two gets a little rough. Okay. Um, cause David Lynch left the show to go make, uh, I believe it was wild at heart. Okay. Um, and, uh, so yeah, so he wasn't really involved with the production of the show for a little while and, uh, they kind of lost track <laughs> of, I think what really made the show so great. And then he comes back at the end towards the end of season two and, and course corrects everything. Okay. All right. Um, and then the, you know, the, the ending of season two is, is exceptionally good. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then fire walk with me in between. And then season three is just really, really an incredible accomplishment from front to back. So nice. Yeah. But yeah, just fair warning. It's, you know, there's, there's a few episodes in season two where it's basically just like a soap opera. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Nice. Okay. But Hey, you know, some people are still into it. It's just, it's, it's missing, you know, the Lynch part. It's missing what, what makes it so, uniquely twin peaks you yeah. know that that kind of just like disappears for a little bit like the characters and stuff are still good you uh -huh. know, i'm still interested in all those people but it uh yeah just kind of loses that thread for a minute there but just keep with it you'll be rewarded all right all right uh my last two for netflix are uh uh mark Marin has a new um comedy special up nice. called uh end times fun uh yeah and it is uh you know, very, uh, it's very accurate for now us being, you know, on lockdown, uh, sure, here in yeah. Chicago <laughs> and stuff. And so, uh, he's just got really, you know, I, I, he's just got really interesting things to say and, you know, uh, the way he puts them in and making them funny, but also like, it's like one of those, uh, it's like one of those, he's one of those comedians where like he'll say stuff and, it'll be funny, but then immediately you're probably thinking like, should I be laughing? Because that's actually pretty accurate. Like yeah. how that thought is. And that's what kind of makes it a little morbidly funny, but, uh, it's still really, really, really entertaining. Um, so that, that one for sure. And, uh, my last one is, um, is, uh, the Eddie Murphy movie Dolomite is my name. Oh yeah, I just added that to my list actually. Yeah, um, this movie, I it got like a lot of. Uh, it's a, obviously just a it's a straight Netflix movie uh, directed by Craig Brewer uh, from you know Hustle and Flow and Footloose and uh, episodes of the show Empire, um, and um, 
I remember when I watched it, I remember I had I had told you that I had watched it, but I I told you that it felt kind of like watching uh, The Disaster Artist. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. In in the way that it's about a group of people who are like wanting to, you know, um, they're wanting to, you know, do better in life and raise themselves to like a higher where, where they think they should be, you know, creatively, artistically. And they're just trying to do anything and everything they can to get their voice out in the world. And mm-hmm. um, it's a really awesome movie that encompasses that, but it's a really awesome, like Eddie Murphy performance. And okay. uh, once they start getting into, you know, like it's in the trailer where, you know, he becomes, he becomes this character of Dolomite as like a stand up comedian. And then like him and his buddies are sitting in a movie theater and they're watching a, uh, a movie that has all these white actors in it. And that's a comedy and all of them are commenting like, yo, this isn't that funny at all. Like, I don't know why everybody's laughing. And, mm. you know, Eddie Murphy's character, Dolomite, it, it, uh, Rudy Ray Moore, that's who he plays, Rudy Ray Moore, uh, has the idea like, this is what I need to do. Like, this is how I get to the entire world without stretching myself thin is we need to make a movie mm-hmm. and get it out there. And it was just like, it just felt so good to be like, oh, yes, that's just like, it's so pure and it's so like good. And he just like rallies this like, ragtag group of people to fucking make this movie and awesome. <laughs> it's it's fantastic dude it's such it's such a good movie i i haven't watched it since i watched it the first time but i probably uh just talking about it right now has me excited so um nice. yeah but definitely definitely watch that and you know give that a little love uh during these hard times it's it's you know something positive to watch <laughs> nice yeah no it's a good one yeah uh, yeah, no, I, I had not seen it. And uh, yeah, as I was looking through Netflix making my list, I saw it. It popped up in the list and I was like, oh, yeah, this is one I know you told me it was really, really good. And I heard great things about it all around. I think it, it got a few like award nominations, didn't it? I think so. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Eddie Murphy was nominated for, you know, uh, an actor award or, or something like yeah, that. Um, like an Independent Spirit Award, maybe? Or probably. Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not sure. Oh, man. OK. Fucking Netflix list. Got too much shit. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight I think a couple things. Okay. And then uh, and then I think I'm just gonna list off list off the rest. Shit. Okay. It's just like these are movies that are all worth your time. Okay. Cool. Um. So yeah, there were a few uh on there. Um. Let's see here. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to talk about. First off, the two like Netflix shows we already talked about Twin Peaks. That was one I wanted to make okay. mention of, but um, that's definitely top of the list recommendation on Netflix for me. Like number one thing, if you haven't seen it, just fucking watch this. Um, but uh, two Netflix shows actually that I think are worth attention. Uh, if you haven't seen them already, are Mind Hunter and The OA. Um, oh, oh, nice. Good ones. Yeah, I think both of those definitely like, yeah, if you're looking for something episodic. Um, also, there's, you know, there's two seasons of each. Uh, the OA has been canceled, um, so there will not be any more uh, any more of that. So that's like done after those two seasons. And Mindhunter, there are two seasons currently. And then the third one is like indefinitely. That was bef- prior to all the coronavirus stuff that was put on indefinite hold. Um, so they're not sure when that one's going to resume, but, uh, uh, but you know, the, the two seasons that are there stand alone pretty well. Okay. Uh, and it's just, it's just such a fucking great show. Um, yeah. Serial killer shit. If you're into serial killer stuff, this is all about the beginnings of like, you know, um, 
profiling and like understanding like what a serial killer is and, like what motivates different types of killers and like you know the beginnings of that whole uh branch of psychology and criminal psychology uh you know which we take for is, is like the common vernacular of like every murder porn show on tv now but <laughs> right. it's just it's you know it's it's easy to forget that like 40 50 years ago like nobody had ever heard these terms and like didn't even really believe that any of this was true right exactly um, yeah, you know yeah. so uh yeah so a really really interesting story and just exceptionally well produced and acted and everything and then the oa is a much more uh heady uh, I would say kind of like science fictiony <laughs> with a heavy sort of like artistic component, just really, really incredibly unique show. Yeah. Um, Is there a way that yeah. you can like, um, I'm trying to like contextualize it in my head because I mean, I've seen it, but also like uh, Britt Marling, who's in it, has also like yeah. co-wrote uh, the movies I Origins and Another Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anybody has like seen those movies, like, is it, yeah. could, could you say like, it's, it's like those movies, but is it like taken further or just a little bit more, you know, uh, kind of in a particular kind of direction, you know? Yeah. It's definitely got a similar vibe to those. Those were Mike Cahill. Um, she also, cause the guy who directed, uh, the OA and co-wrote it with her is all but Manglish. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that properly, but uh, him and Brett did a movie called The Sound of My Voice. Oh yeah, that's uh, right. As well, prior uh, prior to this, and I I kind of feel like that's a bit more akin. It's like okay, it's it's very science fiction, but like very much set in like a mundane kind of setting. Mm-hmm. Um, the OA, you know, Sound of My Voice definitely plays much more on like, do you trust her? Do you think this is really what's happening or not happening? Okay. Um, whereas like the OA definitely gets a lot more, you know, as they have an episodic thing, they get a lot more into like what is really going on here and like kind of the metaphysical component. Okay. Um, but they weave it all in like a really just fascinating like story. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's like this, you know, this girl who disappears when she's young and she was like, uh, deaf, if I remember correctly, she like suddenly reappears like many years later. Okay. And she can, and she can like hear again. Oh, okay. And yeah, and uh, you know, so everyone's like, "What, like, what happened? Where, where were you all these years and all this stuff?" So it's like she starts like telling the story about like what happened to her over the past like ten years of her life, um, gotcha. or however long it was. I'm, I'm sure I'm fudging some of the details. It's been a while since I watched season one, um, but yeah, you know, that's like the basic setup for it. So it's really compelling because it's already right off the bat. You're like, okay, yeah, I want to know like what happened. And, um, right. and it's, fu- it's fucking great. You know, um, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the end of season one, <laughs> I will say of the OA. I think the, yeah. Okay. Of the OA. I, I think like the last five minutes of it are kind of like garbage. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. But then season two is phenomenal. Like really, you know, picks up all the right stuff and kind of moves forward in like a really, really interesting way. Cause where season one leaves off also, you're kind of like, where the fuck are they going to go from here? Okay. Um, because I will say in general, I think the finale is wonderful, yeah. but there's just like one thing that happens like very, uh, towards the end of the episode that I'm just, I, I didn't think worked. <laughs> so um, but other than that, yeah, it's really, truly a, a tremendous show and like really just one of the few shows I think that engages in some really actually like brave, creative risk taking Yeah. Um, that, you know, no other shows, even though they have like, you know, these contracts with Netflix, you have this like instant, you know, distribution to like 300 million homes 
you know, or however many subscribers that they have. And like everyone just seems to like really play it safe. Okay. With everything that they do, you know, because so much of like what's on Netflix is defined by algorithms. They're like, this is what's popular in these parts of the world. And so make shows that adhere to that, you know, right. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, seeing some people that actually were like, okay, you know, let's take this opportunity. You know, this company that believes in us is going to give us this money and like the exposure that we're going to have to like really expose some people to something that they that's very different from what they would normally watch. You know, they're like standard diet of television and movies from Netflix. Yeah. Um, you know, it's that like recursive loop thing where it's like, they're analyzing what you're watching and then producing more content based on what you like. So it's like, yeah, what you like just keeps getting fed back to you and you end up just watching the same shit over and over again, (laughs) you know, just in different wrappers basically. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so, you know, I thought this was a, a really awesome, uh, you know, swing that they took to try to get something different in front of those audiences and in front of like the Netflix, you know, subscriber base at large. So, yeah, uh, really, really, really good show. But, um, yeah, a uh, couple movies I want to highlight real quick. We got, um, oh, so The Other Side of the Wind. Uh, oh, is, shit. Yeah, Orson Welles' final movie yeah. that. He never finished. Uh, he he wasn't able to finish it for a lot of reasons. He had yeah really fallen out of favor with Hollywood at that point. And, yeah. yeah, just had all sorts of financial troubles and shit like that. So um, he wasn't able to get the movie completed. But there's been this uh, massive restoration effort over the past few years to get the movie done. You know, it it wasn't even like, you know, it wasn't fully edited even. So they had to bring in a lot of people like Peter Bogdanovich, who was good friends with Wells and like a great admirer of his and all these other like, you know, Orson Wells experts and shit basically to kind of like come in and look at it and start to decode like what he was trying to do because they had like all the raw footage. Yeah. You know, like everything he shot. And I think they had like some edits that he had done over the years, okay. but it wasn't like a finished piece that just needed like some spit and polish on it. Like, <laughs> right. They had to like finish the movie, you right. know, and try to make it accurate to his vision for the film. Um, you know, luckily he was, uh, Wells was a pretty like prolific guy and wrote a lot. So I think he had a lot of notes, okay. you know, and stuff written about like what he wanted to do, how the movie should flow and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it was a really, really like fucking cool undertaking that it was like, let's, let's get this movie done. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I finally had, there was an Indiegogo campaign and, you know, they were raising funds through that and then Netflix eventually ended up stepping in and like giving them the money they needed and the backing and support to like, you know, get the resources and, and into the places they needed to get into in order to like really finish this thing up as, as best as they could. So, um, yeah, but it got released on Netflix, like, I don't know, a year and a half ago or something like that. And, um, yeah, it's one of those I feel like, you know, a lot of people kind of put off. It's like, oh, that's really interesting. Maybe I'll watch that some other time. Um, yeah. Again, this is a this is a good time to do so. Uh, it's it's a really, really cool movie. And it's, you know, it's from uh, from the 70s. But it's if anyone's ever seen uh, Orson Welles, his last movie that he actually completed was this documentary-esque thing called F is for Fake. Okay. Um, or just F for Fake, uh, which has a Criterion release um, and a really exceptional documentary. But it's like, it's so fucking ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. It, it's really, really, like, I can't, I can't under, uh, overstate how ahead of his time he was and how, like, modern these movies actually feel. Okay even though they're from, you know, this time period. There's a lot of stuff that he does in Other Side of the Wind in particular that, you know, you wouldn't really see. This is the type of stuff that is, like, 
now kind of like in the the common language of television and film, but didn't really happen, didn't really become a common part of the language until more recently. Mm -hmm. And he was doing shit like this in the seventies and doing it like really successfully. I like watching. Um, I like when that happens, like when you watch an old movie or, you know, even when I know we watch that actually happens to me a lot when we're watching, um, like the Joe Bob marathons. Mm-hmm. Is like I'll watch like an old like you know horror movie and I'll be like holy shit like this was happening already you know and so much yeah. of the world and maybe even myself in uh, sometimes when I'm watching modern horror movies like we'll watch something and be like oh my god that's so new and then I'll watch something from like the 60s or the 70s or something that was made in Italy you know like in the 50s and I'm like fuck they did it like you know <laughs> fucking 30 years 40 years ago. And yep. Jesus, that's it's better than what it is, whatever I'm watching now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, and it's it's really cool. I mean, the stuff he was doing, it was super experimental at the time. Okay. But, I mean, he really carved the carved the path for a lot of people that followed uh, in, you know, decades later. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this movie was never actually seen in that time either, and, you know, hasn't even been able, you couldn't even watch it until about a year and a half ago when it came out on Netflix. Yeah. You know, there was no yeah. way to know what he was really doing, so... The fact that he was just so, I don't know, ahead of the curve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with all this stuff. And, like, you know, that, and it also really brings to light why the studios wouldn't give him the money or the backing to finish. Okay, it. okay. You know, looking at this stuff in the <laughs> 1970s, they were probably just of the mind that this is complete nonsense. Right. You, know, you, can't, you can't do this with film. <laughs> yeah. so even in the 1970s when it was like, you can do anything with film, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, they were like, no, but you, but you can't do that. Like,. <laughs> Um, and it's, it's very cool. And, and also it's, it's pretty startling when you watch it too, what an undertaking putting this movie together was because the way he was shooting it, I mean, there's all these party scenes and stuff like that, that are going on. And it's, you know, there's, there's like 30 people walking around with cameras <laughs> shooting this thing. <laughs> um, cause some of, you know, some of the footage is supposed to be from like other party goers at this place that just yeah. have these like super eight cameras in their hands and stuff like that. So there's just this massive amount of footage and like, you know, this really naturalistic kind of approach to everything. I'm sure there was a lot that was really scripted out between like Orson Welles and John Houston, who, who plays the lead in it. He's basically playing Orson Welles in it. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of, like, much more naturalistic, you know, let's just have this party unfold and yeah, we're going to yeah. kind of film it, you know, as it as it plays out. We've got these, you know, it's not totally improvised. We have these things that are sort of guided, you know, marks that the actors need to hit or mm-hmm. certain moments that are happening at the party. But we're going to play it a little more freeform with how, you know, the, the specifics of those events and moments unfold. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, to the scope and, uh, specific way that he was doing it in this film. I, I can't think of any other like real precedent for it nice. in, in any other filmmaking of that time. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's really, really cool stuff. And just, you know, the fact also it was like, you know, a new Orson Welles movie should be a fucking big deal. That's like, like that's definitely like, really we've ca- talked about it before. <laughs> it's like definitely the, the downside of like the Netflix thing is like, they don't really, promote it as much as they should yeah do you know what i mean there's like there's no it's just it went up there and it's like right when it you know before the before the title of the movie like finished coming out of your mouth i was like i literally had that moment i was like holy fuck i totally forgot about that movie yeah and like shame on me because that's like a that's a huge thing for an orson welles movie 
yeah <laughs> to be coming uh, out <laughs> yeah no it was nuts i mean i i was lucky enough to see it at the music box when that's it right first came out they did a, a 35 millimeter uh screening of it there which was fantastic and i mean that was definitely one of the coolest moments it you know i was excited to go see it but when the title started coming up and it said a film by orson wells i was just like it just hit like me. son of a how, bitch <laughs> how fucking crazy is this it's you know it's 2018 or whatever yeah and I'm sitting in a theater watching a 35 millimeter print of a new Orson Welles movie. You know, it was fucking crazy. Really, really cool experience. And yeah, no, really enjoyed the film a lot. And uh, there's also a companion documentary that's on Netflix called uh, They'll Love Me When I'm Dead. Okay. Um, which is a famous Orson Welles quote. Yeah. And uh, yeah, proved to be pretty true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, not true enough, though, <laughs> as evidenced by how many people have not watched The Other Side of the Wind yet. Yeah. But um, the documentary is good. It's not. It, it's funny because the movie has such documentary esque components to it. Okay. <laughs> that it, in a way, it's it's they're almost like two halves of the same whole. Okay. Um, or like two versions of the same film in a way. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think the actual film is is a bit better. I I was kind of wishing the um, the documentary got a little more in depth with with some things, but um, still worth watching for some historical context to you know, the movie itself and, uh, you know, the conditions under which he was attempting to make it and yeah. why it didn't get finished and all that type of stuff. So, okay. um, yeah, good, good little pairing there. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, just watch the fucking movie. It's, it's really, really great. Um, putting it on my and, list. Yeah. I'm actually going to like then, bring up my Netflix account on my computer right now and just start adding shit. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> And um, and then I'm gonna throw uh, I'm gonna throw one more kind of highlight in here uh, before just kind of running down a list. But um, the uh, <laughs> if anyone's feeling particularly pessimistic and needs to just have sort of a cathartic moment of letting out whatever bottled up emotions or feelings are going on <laughs> <laughs> right now while they're stuck at home, because sometimes that helps. Um, Gaspar Noé's Love is available on Netflix. <laughs> okay. And uh, yes, the title is at least a little bit ironic. Um, <laughs> it's uh uh-huh. Yeah, it's I mean it's Gaspar Noé. If you don't know who that is then well uh, you're missing out, I dare say. Uh, but he is a, a completely insane and brilliant French Argentinian, I believe, a uh, filmmaker. And, uh, yeah, Love is a extraordinarily graphic <laughs> movie <laughs> about uh, sex and love. Uh, uh, yeah, I was going to say in the modern age, but not really. It's, it doesn't, it's not like Tinder or any shit like that. But it's about this guy who, you know, this woman that he, you know, may have kind of like been the one. He's not sure that, you know, he kind of like let go. Okay. Or uh, he gets word that she's disappeared. Oh, all right. And he's starting to kind of not only like remember this, but also contrasting again his against his current situation in life where he's got like a kid and he's like married now and also being concerned uh-huh. about like what happened to this girl and like all this stuff. And um, yeah, and there's just completely unflinching graphic sex throughout the entire movie. All right. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's uh, Gaspar Noé is not really like a uh, an uplifting filmmaker. Um, he likes to, he, he has a lot to say. So I think his movies are definitely worth watching beyond just like the, I don't know, like misery porn, uh, aspect of, (laughs) of his filmmaking. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, he'll, he drags you down into the fucking muck with him. 
Um, oh yes, and he's pretty he's pretty unforgiving about it. Uh, so yeah, if you if you're looking for something, and Love, I would say is actually like one of his, like probably his tamest film. Okay. Um, it's not that it's like, you know, it's it's NC seventeen rated, like you know, for graphic sex and everything. And yeah, he's you know doesn't pull his punches or anything like that. But I think in terms of like the intensity of the experience, it's actually one of the more accessible films of his. Mm-hmm. Um, still definitely not going to be for everyone, but, uh, yeah, no, if you want something like very artistic, kind of brutal, uh, and really just sort of like in your face in a way. Okay. Um, it's definitely a good recommendation. I love that this movie has been on Netflix for a while and like, (laughs) I love that it's just still up there. Um, yeah, it's nuts. I actually, I still haven't watched the, I have the 3d Blu-ray. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah, that I had to I had to get from Europe, but uh, yeah, the movie was <laughs> shot in 3D. Did like a hardcore porn in 3D, basically, but as an art film. And yeah, it's uh, I'm excited about it. <laughs> but anyway, I wanted I wanted to throw that one out there because I figured that's one that you know isn't going to be on a lot of people's list. But hey, yeah, I mean, if you're just looking for like a I don't know if you just like got out of a bad breakup or something, and now you're stuck at home with like nothing to do but sit with your thoughts. Uh, this might be a good cathartic moment for you to just like sit there for two and a half hours and kind of like fucking hate the world for a little bit. <laughs> All right. Yeah. See some fucking, well, see some fucking because <laughs> you will. There you go. Um, but anyway, okay, so I'm going to just run through. These are all other movies on Netflix that are totally worth your time to watch. Okay. Um, let's see. We got Roma. Yes. Good Good time. Oh. Uh, Blade Runner. Um, the master, uh, mm-hmm. which I will remind everyone was an honorable mention on my top movies of the decade list. Uh, so definitely, definitely worth your time if you haven't seen it. And I know everyone's on this Joaquin Phoenix kick now after Joker. Uh, I dare say this is an even better performance by him. Um, and on that Paul Thomas Anderson tip, they also have there will be blood and Magnolia are both on Netflix right now as well. Um, Couple Nicholas winning Refn jams. We got Drive and Only God Forgives. Oh yeah, uh, that's right. Both exceptionally good movies. Uh, if you have not seen them, um, the original Child's Play. Anyone looking for a good horror film? <laughs> uh, maybe if you haven't seen the original, that popped up on there. That's a great one. Um, one of the movies from my top that actually made the top ten of my decade list, Moonlight, is on Netflix and is absolutely worth your time. See our top ten of the decade episode for a much lengthier explanation on why that is. Um, got the uh, David Lynch short film, What Did Jack Do? Oh yeah, <laughs> with David Lynch talking with a capuchin monkey for sixteen minutes. It's fucking wonderful. Cool. Um, it's like being taught a new language. It's yeah, really something <laughs> special. Uh, the original Dirty Harry is up there. Um, we have Snowpiercer, which was oh, the, yeah. uh, yeah, June. Now everyone's on that June Ho Bong love. That's right. Um, yeah. Guy who directed uh, parasite. He directed the film Snowpiercer, which also, if you watch Snowpiercer also go online and just type in Snowpiercer, uh, Willy Wonka and watch, watch the video about how <laughs> Snowpiercer is actually part of the Willy Wonka universe. It's <laughs> incredibly convincing. Um, there's this really cool movie called I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore, um, which has one of the uh, guys from uh, Green Room. Um, he's been in some other stuff as well, uh, but he wrote and directed the movie. It's got a very kind of like Coen Brothers-esque vibe, and uh, Elijah Wood's really great in it. Um, the original Candyman is up on Netflix. Oh, yes. Uh, 
yeah, as is Rosemary's Baby. Um, both definitely worth watching if you're looking for some some classic horror. Uh, more recently, uh, The Invitation, the Karen Kusuma, uh, Kusama film mm. from a few years ago. Really, really cool kind of like, you know, uh, pot boiler. I guess you'd call it just, you know, a bunch of people kind of stuck in this house over the course of a night and some, you know, weird things start happening. Okay. Um, yeah, really, really cool movie, though. Uh, the ending is really, I mean, the whole thing is great. And then the ending is just like totally worth it. Um, oh, and then uh, The Wicker Man, the original Wicker Man <laughs> is on Netflix, which I have a hard time recommend. I think everyone should watch it, though. It's such a fucking strange film. Okay. Um, another one with a great ending. I know also everyone, uh, who was freaking out about like Midsommar, uh, this movie was definitely a huge influence on that film as far as that sort of like European folk horror kind of vibe. Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, really, really fucking weird movie. <laughs> uh, but it's got, you know, it's, it's like a, that's a bona fide cult classic also. That's just one you should just kind of check off the list, but, okay. um, yeah, not for everyone, but everyone should see it. Um, kind of in the same vein as Love, uh, Blue is the Warmest Color is on Netflix. Oh, which, all right. Uh, yeah, won the Palme d'Or at Cannes a few years ago. Yeah, um, yeah. Really, yeah, a lot of really, really graphic uh, sex in that movie as well. But uh, yeah, some really exceptional acting and uh, just writing as well. Um, another uh, movie from the 70s called Immoral Tales, uh, which is a bunch of, it's like an anthology of really, you know, debaucherous kind of stories. Um, really fun, really out there and, uh, creative and, uh, yeah, it's a fun watch. I was just surprised to see that, uh, on Netflix. I hadn't seen it in a while. Sweet. Um, and then last couple blue ruin, uh, by Jeremy Saulnier, the same guy who did green room. That's his first film. It's excellent. And the Rover, uh, is on Netflix, which is an Australian sort of post-apocalyptic movie, um, about a guy whose, uh, car gets stolen and, uh, he goes to get it back. <laughs> I like but, that movie uh, yeah, a lot. Yeah, no, it's it's a really, really good movie. Very moody. Uh, it's got really great atmosphere. And Guy Pearce in the leading role, um, actually getting to use his Australian accent for once. Yeah. Um, and he's just he's just always awesome. Like, Guy Pearce is always good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's nice to see him actually get to take the lead in a film. I think and, that might uh, have been the first time we jumped on the Robert Pattinson train, you and I. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that with you at, That's right, at, the, yeah. at Landmark. And we got out and we we're, you know... Really commenting, you know, uh, the end of the movie is is really moving and really great. Um, yeah. But, you know, his performance in it was transformative. It was like the first yeah, time. No, it was, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I actually got to see him like, oh, man, this guy might actually be able to act. Like, he's got a pretty small role in the film, mm-hmm. but he's very he's very good at it. Um, yeah, no, that was sort of my first. That was probably the first time I'd ever actually seen him in a movie. Oh, okay. Because uh, I never seen any of the Twilight movies. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I just, you know, I just knew of him as, you know, he's that guy. Uh, so yeah, this is my first time actually seeing him act, and was like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were, I didn't realize there were there were two Robert Pattinson movies on my list that I just rattled off there. Yeah. <laughs> the Rover and Good, Good Time. time. <laughs> yeah. So nice. <clears throat> All right. Well, yeah. Let's All move right. Move on. Uh, I think I'm gonna do my uh, switch it up and do my Disney Plus list. Get some. Uh, for those of you who have Disney Plus, um, it's a very good streaming service. And I'm, uh, even though they ha- haven't done, uh, Dorian's mentioned this a few times uh, that I've brought up Disney Plus, uh, you know, they haven't done a good job at saying like what's going to be on there and what's not, uh, like when the service rolled out and everything. But um, 
the the service is like inherently Disney. And there are a lot of like original content that's uh, going up there that is sort of um, pulling a. I'm gonna sound like a like I work for Disney right now. It's kind of like pulling the curtain back on the magic of of Disney and the parks and the movies and uh, the TV shows and everything like that. So um, there's a documentary series, a doc series. It's like six or seven episodes called The Imagineering Story. And mm-hmm. it chronicles the... Um, <clears throat> each episode is an hour long, but it chronicles the story of the uh, rise of the various different parks the Disney parks throughout the world through the eyes and the storytelling of the Imagineers who are the people that come up with all the animatronics come up with, you know, um, designing the entire park and then trying to figure out how to do it and put it all together. Um, it's a really interesting way of, uh, looking at the history of Disney through its parks. Um, Mm -hmm. and also the people who have uh, gone through being the uh, various like CEOs, uh, uh, and everything of the company, like throughout the years, um, the high, <clears throat> the highs, the lows, the successes. Um, I was very unaware of, you know, the, the run of sort of like failures they had in terms of the parks, um, mm. how they got very stale and they weren't as creative as like the Imagineers wanted them to be. Um, and also kind of, uh, it's interesting to learn how much of the stuff was like learned in house from, the Imagineers, you know, like there's a, a part where a guy talks about having to learn another level of math because when he went to school, they only went up to like algebra. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so he had to like, you know, teach himself another level of math to like build a roller coaster or like one of the first ones that they were like putting into effect <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to, so to get it right and shit. And it's just like, God, holy shit. Like these dudes are, you know, I I, I don't know why you don't ever like think about that, but, you know, watching it and hearing him talk about it, you know, like this, this old man talk about that was just pretty, uh, pretty inspiring, you know, and and also pretty funny, but, um, it's a really great, uh, docu-series and it goes all the way up until like the deal with Disney and Marvel okay, and like the beginnings of those new parks that are going into, uh, or that have already opened. I know the the Star Wars one, Star Wars Land, has opened in like you know California and Florida and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But um, for the Star Wars one, they do uh, walk around like one of the rides and stuff, and uh, it's a uh, it's pretty cool to to see to see them do it again. Like we've we've watched the entire series is you know, them coming up with different parks and everything and every time that they build something, like it's a complete risk. And, you know, okay. they do yeah. they do treat the Marvel and the Star Wars stuff as like, this is another giant risk. Do you know what I mean? Like it is it is a giant risk that we're taking building this entire park and this is what goes into it. It's not, uh, the doc, the series doesn't look at like, hey, we have Star Wars now. So it's a sure bet people will come and we got nothing to worry about. It's like, no, this is just as much a risk as like putting a, a cars, you know, park in one of the other parks or something right. like that, you know? So it's nice to sort of see the reality of, you know, that side of it through their eyes because it's not, it's not ever a sure thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it's, especially right now, right. it's like even less of a sure thing. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> not a good time to be in the amusement park building business. No, 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 no. Um, yeah. So that's a that's a really good docu. That's like my top 
if there's anything aside from all the uh, all the other content, which is Marvel and Star Wars, that is on there. Uh, that's yeah, definitely that's which, yeah, yeah. You already know about that. <laughs> yeah, people. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's definitely like my top recommendation for Disney Plus is the Imagineering story. Um, it's, nice. it's really, really, yeah, cool. no, that sounds, that sounds really cool. You've told me about that before. And yeah, it sounds like a really interesting story. All that old shit when they were like, yeah, literally we have to just, you know, we have to invent the wheel. Yes, exactly. You know, yes. like the, the wheel doesn't, we don't, we don't have an opportunity to reinvent it. It hasn't been invented yet. You know, right. we have to just like <laughs> fucking figure it out. Um, yeah, really, really, uh, cool stuff. Um, all right. I got a couple other ones. Um, one that I've really, really liked is, uh, I've mentioned it to you before, is Forky asks a question. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so if anybody's ever seen Toy Story 4, and if you have Disney+, Plus, like, Toy Story 4 is on there currently. Um, and that's where, like, Forky, you know, uh, Forky's character is introduced. And it's actually a character that Bonnie, who owns all the toys now, Woody and Buzz, um, it's... Uh, it's a it's a toy that she creates in school, and it's basically a spork with you know uh, some feet put together with like some putty and uh, and eyes and stuff, and uh, it it basically becomes sentient, and it's kind of like this I don't know I I took it too seriously when the movie came out because I thought like okay she just kind of created like a zombie like it doesn't know what it is and it's trying to figure mm-hmm. out and it's a little creepy. Um, but there's a part of me that feels like Pixar has been using Disney plus to like push a very light, you know, subtext of like adult content in, in the stuff that's being animated, going straight to the service. And the okay. forky asks a question stuff. Sometimes I'm actually kind of shocked <laughs> that it's, <laughs> it's there. Uh, cause it gets really heady sometimes. And, um, it's, I feel like it's it'll be one of those shows that like kids will watch now and then in like 10 and 15 years they'll watch it and they'll be like what the fuck like this yeah, is what be like it'll be like watching labyrinth nowadays <laughs> we're like how did our parents let us watch this I mean yes exactly. when it's not when it's not incredibly disturbing it's close-ups of David Bowie's penis yeah, right you know like that's that's the sum total of this movie but it just at the time it was like just a different world, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That shit was cool. I mean, yeah, not that there's, you know, there's, it's pointed, been pointed out by m- many people over time <clears throat> that, you know, there is a, a very strong tradition of having more disturbing content in children's stories. Yeah. Um, as a sort of a way of like preparing them for the, you know, reality and horrors of the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it's like, it's, it's always funny when kind of this stuff comes up where you're like, man, that's a little like risque for like kid stuff. It's like, man, if you look at what they were telling kids like 200 years ago, like none of this is very risky at all. This is yeah, all right. pretty tame actually, <laughs> but, but I like that, you know, I, I like that that's being, as there's this like, you know, constant, uh, you know, uh, were to like you know sanitize a lot of shit so that it's just like it's you know okay for it's just anodyne to everyone nobody's ever going to be triggered by anything ever again right right you know which is which is horseshit it's it's nice to see that you know some of these like no we're doing this stuff for like all ages or like kids in particular but you know that doesn't mean there can't be some that means we can't say you know anything that's like you could possibly even remotely be uh you know uh, oh. I think I lost you. I'm reconnecting here. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just see. It says poor connection. I don't know if that's on my end. 
You back? Oh, yeah, I think we're... My screen I'll says it's you. reconnecting. Let's see what happens. Lost you for a second there, but yeah. you came back. I'm back. You've, we're back. You've re- reconnected successfully? I've reconnected. Apparently, I had poor video connection, which is bullshit because I yeah. got full bars, so whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Could have been me or something, but that's right. anyway. So yeah, yeah no. Saying. So you know, it makes me happy to see. Like Pixar has always been pretty good about that because they, you know, they've always taken into consideration the fact that like every kid is going to be accompanied by at least one parent. You know, so like <laughs> let's try to entertain the parents as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so they, you know, they've always done a good job of kind of bridging that gap of making it all ages, but also making it something that like parents can walk out and be like, you know what? Not only was that tolerable, that was like actually a really good movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I know I didn't so, finish. Uh, I know I didn't finish the story when I told you that Sean and I went into the Walgreens or to the McDonald's, and we uh-huh. saw all the toys for Onward. And yeah. um, the I I think I read somewhere the plot of that movie is the two main characters who are like goblins or whatever. Um, yeah. They go on like this journey because they find this magical staff, and the staff brings back uh, one of the characters' father, like from the yeah. dead but only half of him. So it's only from the waist down. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and so this, you know, these legs are, are traveling with them to go and mm-hmm. like bring the father back. And like, someone just had this like adult article about like what this movie is like really about. And I was like, fuck, this is like dark, man. <laughs> like it's about following your dad's penis. Yeah, pretty much. You know, uh, I was like, holy shit. Uh, yeah, no, I watched the I watched the trailer for that when we were looking at movies to review, uh-huh. you know, that were coming out like the 13th or whenever it, it came out. And yeah, no, it was really it's it's a really weird premise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the movie doesn't really look very good either. Um, but yeah, no, they're like they use that staff and then it's like, I don't I don't remember one of them gets like cold feet and they're like, no, wait, stop. And like, you know, it gets interrupted when oh, he's like, yeah, that's right. That's it's right. like recreating him from the ether, yeah. you know, and they just get his legs. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So Forky asked a question. Forky asked a question and the episodes. Oh, God, I think there's might be like five or six of them or something. And they're only like four minutes long. Um, oh, so, okay. you know, yeah. you can blow through them pretty quickly, obviously. Yeah. So. Easy time commitment. Oh, yeah, big time. Um, okay, I got three more, and uh, two of them just sort of go without saying. Uh, the entire uh, six seasons and now seventh season of Clone Wars, Star Wars Clone Wars, is up on Disney+. Plus. If you, like myself, were just fucking burned by episode nine, uh, <laughs> you know, watch the Clone Wars. It's really good. Uh, maybe some of the things they tried to shoehorn into episode nine will will make more sense because of the better storytelling that happened in, yeah. <laughs> in that series. But uh, I've been enjoying the seventh season so far, and uh, it's also one that you can binge as well. The episodes are about you know, 20 minutes, 24 minutes long. Um, and then um, uh, nice. uh, connected to that would be The Mandalorian. Uh, that uh, all of season one is up there, and season two is supposed to be coming in the fall. So I think in October, um, if everything goes okay with with Corona, um, I haven't heard that they've been like shut down or anything. But <clears throat> uh, and then the last one I have is uh, the world according to Jeff Goldblum. Uh, <laughs> nice, his show. I've heard good stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good show. Uh, I, I really like it a lot. And um, for all of his weird Jeff Goldbluminess that is just all over every episode. Uh, it's very well researched and very, um, the stuff that he looks into, you wouldn't think would be, you know, 
interesting. Like there's one just about denim jeans or about denim. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, OK, denim, I, I guess. Uh, and it ends up being like a really interesting show about what like Levi's is doing with the science of denim and yeah. how they're like aging jeans and this and that and like the color and dyeing them and stuff. And uh, he gets he gets access to some pretty cool stuff. So nice. it's interesting to it's interesting to watch all, all of yeah. that. Yeah. Being Jeff Goldblum will open up a lot of doors. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, um yeah, but other than that, there's there's more new, uh, you know, original content coming up on Disney, and I do think like because of the um, because of the shutdown and Corona, they just put up Frozen two, and then on April third is when that Onward movie will will be up on the service. Oh yeah, yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, so that's my Disney Plus run. Sweet. What you got? There you go. You had a uh, Amazon Prime, right? I got some prime jams. You got some prime jams. Yeah. So, all right. So, prime. I got. I got a few. I'm gonna <laughs> list off uh, as far as being more like, uh, you know, accomplished films. I guess that are like these are actually like you know great examples of the art and artistry of filmmaking. Okay. Um. And you know, in in the most like you know in the proudest sense, <laughs> as it were, in the uh in in the classic tradition. Um, cause they got a few, they got some really good ones. And of course there's, there's many more than this, but these were just a few that, you know, uh, popped up initially. Um, so the conversation is up there, the 1970s film with, uh, uh, Gene Hackman at Francis oh, Ford Coppola directed. Yes. I still want to, I still um, have to see that. Yeah. 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 And, uh, it's, yeah, that's up there. That's a great one. I know that's just been getting, it was supposed to be getting a little small theatrical re-release cause they just did some big restoration of it. I yeah. don't know if this is like the new restored version that they have up there or the okay. one that's been around for a while, but either way, um, definitely a movie worth watching. And I'll just note if you like it, I don't think they have this up there, but the, this movie was, uh, uh, heavily inspired by, uh, and, kind of in a way based off of this uh Antonio Michelangelo Antonioni film called Blow Up. Okay. Oh yes, yes. Uh yeah, from like 1969 I want to say. Uh that movie is probably on Criterion Channel uh if it's streaming anywhere, but uh yeah, that was an enormously influential movie. Okay. And uh to the point that yeah, the conversation and actually uh Brian De Palma's film Blow Out uh are both direct references to it. Um and you know, in a lot of ways like basically take its plot and spin it in like a couple of different directions than the way Antonioni with it. Cause it's just such a great premise. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so conversation definitely worth watching. Oh, Bobby, I got a port connection reconnecting. Yeah, I know. I see it happening. It's like, you're coming in and out. Bobby? I can hear you on my earphones, but like, <clears throat> let's see Bobby, come what back. happens here. Hmm. Yo. Hey, all right. I think that was, that was probably my iPad. Okay. It seemed like, yeah, when I I opened up a, just a browser window and it like couldn't even connect to a website. So I think it just dropped its connection or oh, okay. reset or some shit. All but, right. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't stop uh, recording either. So we should still be perfect. Synced up. Yeah. Yeah. Cut that shit out. I got it. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so you're talking so yeah, about so any- De Palma and blow up and. 
Yeah, yeah. So the conversation hugely, uh, yeah, you know, was influenced by this movie Blow Up, and then uh, De Palma did even his version of it, Blow Out. But yeah, sort of like three variations on the same kind of basic premise for a film. Okay. Um, which is like, you know, being witness to something that you don't even realize you were witness to until after the fact. Uh-uh. Um, so like, yeah, in, in the conversation, it's, uh, you know, um, uh, Gene Hackman's like a surveillance agent. Um, and he's spying on these people and he records this conversation between the two of them and he doesn't even realize like when he's recording it kind of like what it really means. And then as he goes back and starts like picking up other little clues about some larger conspiracy that might be going on, like he starts listening to this conversation again and like just little things about like the inflection of their voice, things like that could yeah. be hinting <laughs> that they're a part of this or that something more is going on and stuff. Yeah, but it's a it's a very good movie. Um and uh, so, yeah, so that uh, another one of my, you know, top 10 of the decade movies, The Handmaiden, uh, that is available on Prime. Everybody should fucking watch that movie. Unbelievable film. Uh, again, see our top 10 of the decade episode for a lengthier explanation. Um, the Pavel Pavlikovsky uh, masterpiece, Cold War, uh, is available on, uh, on Amazon as well. Uh, free on Prime. Um, yeah, excellent, excellent movie. Make sure you look at the black and white, you know, artsy looking film because there's another film on Prime called Cold War that is about like the common cold. Uh, <laughs> is it? That is not not the movie that we're recommending okay. or that I'm recommending here. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, Cold War though the the Pavlikovsky film is just really an exceptional piece of filmmaking. Um, and, uh, uh, oh, uh, Annihilation is on there. Yes. Uh, which is a great, great movie from a couple of years ago. Don't be fooled by the trailers if you saw them. If you're thinking to yourself, is that the one with Natalie Portman, like, shooting an alligator? Um, you're, you're right, but you're also so, so wrong. <laughs> I, I might have to watch that, like, either tonight or tomorrow. Like, it's been a while. Yeah. That's a fucking great movie, and yeah. um, I know his uh, Alex Garland, uh, famous for well, he wrote a lot of Danny Boyle's movies. So he right. wrote like Twenty Eight Days Later and um, uh, The Beach <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Sunshine. Um, you know, some uh, and a bunch of other stuff. But he, you know, struck off and started doing his own material. He did a movie called Ex Machina a few years ago. It was very good. Yeah. Uh, more recently, he's got this show Devs that's on FX on Hulu. Yeah, um, with Nick Offerman, another you know sort of like future dystopian technological paranoia kind of uh, setup. Um, that yeah has been getting you know really good reviews. I know a lot of people have been watching that. So yeah, if you're curious about more of what Alex Garland does, Annihilation is a great example of of his talents as a filmmaker and as a storyteller. Um, really interesting science fiction kind of story, like really, truly kind of like science fiction, not science fantasy. Yes. Yes. Um, really, yeah. Getting into the metaphysics of it all and, and, you know, things that we can't fully understand or really comprehend that we just sort of like have to understand in more abstract ways Mm -hmm. and how you kind of like wrestle with that. Um, and, uh, you know, either fall victim to it or sort of like find a way to reconcile yourself with it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, really, yeah, really, really excellent film. Um, but, uh, yeah. Oh, and then also, uh, this, another Joaquin Phoenix film, uh, you were never really here. 
Oh yeah, uh, yeah. It's a Lynn Ramsey movie. Yeah, it's another another one that I think just went a little unnoticed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, it's you know it's it's a much more again very much more like pensive kind of art house film, uh, but another just really really like I don't know simmering performance from Joaquin Phoenix in that movie. Yeah, um, like yeah, just really really dangerous feeling like just a totally man on the edge you know very uh, similar to joker in some ways but very different like all mm-hmm. that's turned internally you know um he certainly has his external ways of dealing with it as well but uh but you know you can see that like he's still just really holding back a lot and <laughs> holding on to a lot yeah. and you just don't know how it's all gonna kind of like explode in his face except to know that it, that it will right um but it's a yeah really really interesting movie uh definitely worth checking out um and uh oh and then a couple uh they had a couple good like spy thrillers okay that were up there that i didn't uh i hadn't seen around elsewhere that i just wanted to, to drop into this list as well in case anyone's looking for those types of movies um there's a really really cool movie called the spy who came in from the cold mm-hmm. um which is uh stars richard burton um obviously yeah super famous actor uh directed by this guy martin ritt um and it's based on a john le carre novel oh, okay uh, the yeah, very famous British spy thriller writer. Yeah. His you know books have been adapted into a million things, um, like uh, uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy uh, was based on one of his, and um, The Little Drummer Girl, uh, which was turned into. There was a movie a while ago, but more recently, Park Chan Wook, the director of Old Boy and The Handmaiden, um, turned it into like a four episode miniseries for AMC. That's just fucking sensational, but. But yeah, this guy's like British, you know, British authorial royalty, basically. <laughs> um, and uh, this is an early adaptation of one of his movies. It's from like the 60s, I want to say. Um, but yeah, really, really great, you know, Cold War paranoia kind of kind of stuck behind enemy lines movie. Nice. Um, with just some really, really excellent staging and really great acting in there. Um, and then also uh, this other movie from the 70s called Three Days of the Condor. Oh, okay. Which, yeah, a little more, uh, the movie's fairly famous. Um, really, really good, though, if people haven't seen it. Like, really nice, yeah, just tense, 70s, paranoid thriller kind of movie. And yeah. The, you know, same vein as, like, Parallax View. Ooh, okay. Um, and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, which, yeah, really, really cool. Very, it's been a while since I've seen it, but, you know, the setup is really cool. It's like a CIA researcher who basically just, like, reads books. He's not, like, really on the front lines. Okay. Um, but he goes to lunch and then comes back to his office after lunch and everyone there has been assassinated. Oh yeah. Whoa. And then he's like, what the fuck do I do? They're obviously also looking for me, you know, and he's got to like kind of become now like more of a, an intelligence agent rather yeah. than just a researcher to try to survive. But really cool, very procedural kind of like paranoia as well. Like it really digs deep into like those subtle moment to moment details of espionage, you know, it's like a little, a little look or a little moment or a little Mm. hesitation is what is going to make or break everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, great, great movie. Nice. That was one I saw it on there. I was like, man, I want to rewatch that. It's been a while, but okay. The main reason though, that I wanted to do some selections for Amazon prime though, is because prime has this like fucking weirdly excellent selection of like culty weird midnight movies oh yeah that's right okay Um, yeah 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 yeah. and so i just wanted to throw some of these out there as well um because there's just there's so many good ones on here and this is again just a small selection uh (laughs) of what's available here but um so i'll just go through a few um so a movie called the velocipaster yes is is currently available on prime 
Um, it is exactly what it sounds like. It is about a, a priest who turns into a velociraptor, <laughs> uh, hence the name Velocipastor. Uh, it is excellent um it was made for basically no money (laughs) and they didn't really try to hide that fact um but it's it's it rather than just being like you know just a shit movie it's it's like very it's i don't know it's very like you can tell a talented filmmaker made this movie oh yeah you know somebody with a lot of creativity a lot of ideas and like a deep understanding of how films actually work and like what what really makes them bad or, you know, versus just like, Oh, if we just have a bunch of shitty acting, it's like, no, it's like if this plot point that's really important <laughs> is delivered in this way, yeah. you know, that like makes it inherently cheesy or like ineffective or whatever. So we're going to do that intentionally. So it was like somebody who really knew what they were doing with film, you know, made this, but, uh, it's just absurd. Um, yeah, really, really fun to watch. If you want to just like kill 80 minutes, uh, it's a great one. Um, there's a, uh, a Larry Cohen movie called Q the Winged Serpent mm. um, that is available, uh, which is really, really fun. Uh, yeah, 70s kind of like guerrilla style filmmaking, just balls to the wall. We're going for it no matter what. Yes. Um, really great Michael Moriarty performance in that movie. is oh. just a fucking scumbag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, really, you know, just like that, that like hard boiled New York 70s attitude is yeah. like, you know, on full display in this movie. Just everyone's like a fucking hard nosed asshole to everyone else. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, really fun to watch. Uh, movie called Bone Tomahawk. Mm. Uh, a uh, S. Craig Zoller jump off. I definitely um, have that one on my list. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about this in relation to uh, Dragged Across Concrete. Right. Um, and Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich, Bobby and I both have quite an affinity for this gentleman. Um, this was his first film that he wrote and directed, uh, sort of a slow burn, like weird Western with Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty, pretty good cat. Patrick Wilson's in it. Um, a couple other like, you know, uh, that guys that are in there as well. But uh, excuse me. Yeah, really, you know, not in any rush to get where it's going. Like most Westerns, you know, they kind of have that that old west pace right right uh to them but really really great payoff and uh you know really just has this uh very unique kind of uh vibe to it where it's like you know we kind of get out in the middle of nowhere where you know is this a little supernatural or is it just kind of like inbreeding you know or like what exactly is going on here but Uh yeah it gets it gets weird and uh it's it's really fun um so yeah, definitely recommend that. Uh, the uh, classic film Chopping Mall, yes, is available on Prime. Love it. Uh, yeah, '80s mall movie. Robot security guards run amok in a mall full of teens trying to just you know get drunk and have sex all over the place. <laughs> In a furniture uh, it's, store, it's, right? Isn't it a yeah, furniture yeah. store? Yeah, uh, like on all on beds that are like <laughs> clearly visible to each other. Yes, and just, you know, yeah, it's like yeah, it's time to fuck guys. Basically, just trying to have um, an orgy. Yep, yep. Uh, it's a great one. Great eighties movie. Uh, Sleepaway Camp, another great eighties movie. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Really it has some pretty pretty fucking insensitive humor in it. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, everybody who's awful gets their comeuppance, I would say. Um, and, uh, one of the, uh, the greatest, uh, final shots in a film of all time, I would have to say, um, courtesy of the inimitable, uh, Felissa Rose. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, uh, yeah, just really, uh, that's one of those movies that like, you know, you'll watch it and it's like a fun slash, like eighties camp slasher movie. And then the last shot of the movie, you're just like, 
holy fuck. Yeah. Like, okay, that, that's going to be with me for a little while. <laughs> you know, you're going you're gonna to have to deal with that. Um, okay. Uh, another cult classic, Mac and Me. Ooh. Uh, is, yeah. Yeah. Streaming on Prime. Okay. <laughs> uh, one of the most unabashed E.T. ripoff of all time, probably. And uh, also clearly a 90-minute commercial for both McDonald's and the city of Chicago. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, also uh, fairly famous for uh, Paul Rudd's appearances on the Conan O'Brien show over the years. He always shows this clip of a guy in a wheelchair, a kid in a wheelchair going <laughs> over a cliff and landing in this water. This is a scene from Mac and Me. Yeah. Um, that does happen. It's it's about an alien that basically tortures a disabled child. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's really something else. I mean, it's just one of those like mouth agape, like how the fuck did this movie, who <laughs> thought any of this was a good idea, you know, um, from the same director of uh, Tammy and the T-Rex, yeah. which we've talked about on the podcast many times, which Tammy and the T-Rex is available on Shudder. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, wonderful, wonderful film. Um, okay, so, uh, and then we get into uh, some Italian, some Italian genre films, okay. which our listeners will know that I have quite the affinity for. Yes. Um, there's a lot of good ones on there, actually. A lot of Arrow releases are available to watch on Amazon Prime. Yeah, don't they, like, they pretty much just go straight to Prime sometimes, right? Like, yeah, they pretty, upon they release, basically, yeah. yeah, yeah, the physical discs, you know, they sell, and then, like, it's, like, streaming only on Prime, from what I can tell, uh, which is great, because they have, like, really excellent transfers of these movies that are, uh, available to watch at the touch of a button, Woo! uh, or the swipe of a screen, or the tap of a screen, whatever the fuck, however it works now. <laughs> um... But uh, uh, they have a couple uh, great Giallo films. Um, they have uh, What Have You Done to Solange, uh, which is a really, it's a great, They uh, it's the same guy who directed What Have They Done to Your Daughters, which oh. Bobby and I uh, had a moment, yeah, Massimo Dalmano, who was also the cinematographer for uh, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, actually. Ooh. Um, yeah, fun little trivia nice. for everyone. Uh, but went on to direct Giallo films from that and then died in a car crash. Um, mm. I think uh, shortly after doing What Have They Done to Your Daughters, he was going to do a third movie in the What Have They Done series. series. Yeah. But uh, What Have They Done Solange is the first one. Really good, really hard hitting, uh, like a lot of these Giallo films. Uh, his, in particular, What Have They Done to Your Daughters, it, it really has like a social awareness component to it. Okay. Um, where it, you know, it, it tells its giallo story, but then also really tries to drive home this like, you know, hard hitting point about like what's really happening in society right now. (laughs) And like, this is not just a movie, you know, this is like actually what's going on Yeah, right. and we should do our part to like stop it. (laughs) Um, and, uh, but yeah, what have they done? The Solange features, uh, I believe this is the first non stunt performance by the beautiful Fabio Testi. Ooh. Uh, with this wonderful Italian actor who was a stuntman for a while. And then I think people were just like, sort of like Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. They're like, aren't you a little pretty to be a stuntman? Okay, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so they started putting him in on, on screen because he was just a, like a really attractive guy and like pretty charismatic. And, uh, you know, not the greatest actor in the world, but he pulls it off. And he's got an just incredible sweater collection <laughs> in this movie. Um, let me tell you, it is it is something else. Uh, and probably the, the greatest bachelor pad I've ever seen in a film, I think, is, is in What Have They Done to Solange. It's amazing. Okay. Yeah, it's it's like a college dorm room. It's like his bachelor pad where he's the successful guy and he brings his mistress there. And it's just like 
it's like swimsuit models, like topless swimsuit model <laughs> posters, like pinned to the wall. They're not even in frames. They're just like tacked up yeah. on the walls and shit. It's so fun. There's just like bean bags on the floor and like that's what they just fall in. It's it's hysterical. That's hilarious. Um, but yeah, really fun movie to watch. Uh, there's a Sergio Martino movie called Suspicious Death of a Minor. Okay. Um, on there, which is really the same guy who directed uh, Torso. Yeah which unfortunately is not uh, available on Prime right now. It's, you can rent it, uh, and I highly recommend doing so. That is a just fantastic movie. It's really good. Um, but yeah, Suspicious Death of a Minor is really fun. Um, there's this great actor, Claudio Casanelli, who's in it, who just plays like a does-not-give-a-fuck <laughs> 70s Italian detective <laughs> that's just like, the shit he does it just will blow your mind. Okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's just, I don't know, so smug and like whatever you know, devil may care about it that like, yeah, I just, I really got into this guy as it went on. I was like, man, you know, if you're going to catch some hard criminals, you got to take some, you know, hard techniques. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, really, uh, definitely recommend that one. That one's kind of like debatable, whether it's his final Giallo film or his first Poliziotesky movie, Okay, which is like a police procedural. It's a little bit of a blend of both. All right. Um, yeah, but, uh, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm wrapping up here. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a, couple Dario Argento movies on Prime uh, that we've definitely talked about a bit. Uh, Deep Red is, in, in a lot of ways, his, like, giallo masterpiece. Um, the original Suspiria, uh, don't be fooled into the Suspiria movie that is on Prime is the remake, which is dog shit, not worth even a moment of your time or thoughts. <laughs> um, but the original Suspiria is my favorite Argento film. They don't have it uh, free on Prime, but Deep Red is probably his, uh, uh, his, his, masterpiece of the strict giallo genre okay. which arguably he is the one who kind of invented or at least codified and um, this movie is the the sh shining example of it uh, it's really really great uh, good murder mystery thriller with a lot of like weird italian uh baroque kind of flourishes all over it yeah, yeah. Uh, and then even even further to that degree is uh, uh his other movie opera is available on prime as well um, oh, oh, yeah, that's a good really, one. Yeah, yeah, opera is really, really fun. Um, that's a that's a great movie, which is really all sorts. He pulled out all the stops for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty crazy, over the top shit. But um, but yeah, those are both great. Um, then I'm going to recommend a series of movies that I have not actually watched yet. Um, they're called Sartana, uh, or Sartana. It's sort of like a um, spaghetti western ish kind of thing sort of in the vein of like the original Django movies okay okay uh, the Sergio Corbucci um, these ones I don't remember who directed them but uh, Arrow put out a whole box set of them and they they just have the greatest titles like again referencing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood like I think a lot of the movies that Rick Dalton did in Hollywood uh-huh uh, or in uh, sorry in Italy uh, towards the end of the film yes. are sort of like direct references to this okay okay um, uh, to a lot of these Italian films, you know, obviously Tarantino's a, you know, a, a, a very learned in all of this stuff, but, uh, um, but yeah, the titles of these were just so perfect. Like the ones that are like, you know, uh, pray for death gringo or something yeah, like yeah. that, or like, you know, <laughs> call me death, call me gringo. I can't remember what it's called, but the names of these Sartana movies are, if you meet Sartana, pray for your death, uh, light the fuse, Sartana is coming. Uh, Sartana's here. Trade your pistol for a coffin. Uh, I am Sartana, your angel of death. Ooh, I like that one. Um, have a good funeral, my friend. Sartana will pay. <laughs> oh, I might like that one better, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that one's good. Um, 
Yeah, and that's it. That's it. But they're all available on Prime. They look like just tons of fun, and I mean, those titles are just outstanding. Oh, sweet. So, and I can't remember if these actually also have Franco Nero in them, uh, who played the original Django. Um, but yeah, anyway, those look like a lot of fun. That was something I was planning on dipping into uh, while while in quarantine. Yeah. All right. Um, and then yeah, last couple, uh, Society. The Brian Yuzna oh, yeah. <laughs> body horror bacchanalia <laughs> clusterfuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite literally. Uh, that is just one of the most insane movies you'll ever watch. Um, it's really something else. A really exceptional piece of just like bizarro filmmaking. <laughs> uh, super 80s out. And then with just these really amazing like practical uh, special effects towards yeah, the, the end effects of the movie. Yeah, the effects are gnarly. Really, yeah, really went over the top with. Ugh, yeah. Just, yeah, very fun to watch. Um, and, uh, and last this, uh, there's a movie called wake in fright oh. that is available. Yeah. It's, uh, it's Ted, Ted Kochef, the guy who directed, uh, first blood. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The, uh, the very first, uh, Rambo movie. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is, which is excellent. Um, he did this movie in Australia and it's this really, really kind of interesting time capsule, uh, of a movie, uh, Donald Pleasance is in it, but it's sort of like, you know, this English, uh, teacher who gets sidetracked just in the weirdness <laughs> and sort of like pace of life of the outback uh-huh. and, you know, uh, and then just ends up kind of like tangled in this like weird, aggressively hospitable town that's sort of like they welcome him, but then it's almost like they don't want him to leave. Okay. And it becomes this just like really crazy, like almost surrealist kind of paranoid fantasy about like being stuck in the outback. Huh. All right. And, um, yeah, really interesting. You know, it's one of those movies that like it definitely, it took like an outsider's perspective to this land. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where, and there's a lot of Australian filmmakers actually have gone on to say that this movie is kind of like what taught them how to film their own country. Oh, wow. Crazy. Because, you know, because to them, it was all just normal. Yeah. You know? right. Like none of this seems weird. It's just this is home. Uh, but, you know, it took this guy coming from the outside. I was like, yo, you guys realize like this is like a surreal fucking hellscape, right? <laughs> <laughs> like you guys have just made normalcy out of it. But like this place is fucking insane. Um, oh, crazy. And uh, yeah, yeah. it's really interesting. So it, it's a really good movie, though, you know, kind of a. Uh, again, another kind of like paranoid thriller, I guess I'd call it, but uh, with a much more sort of um, abstract or, uh, you know, uh, um, harder to pin down kind of threat, you know? I uh, I just looked it up on uh, IMDb and it has like one of the longest, I guess, taglines ever. Mm-hmm. And the top of the poster just says Outback. It yeah. can almost be mistaken <laughs> for the title of the movie. That's how big it is. Yeah. And it just says... Have a drink, mate. Have a fight, mate. Have a taste of dust and sweat, mate. There's nothing else out here. <laughs> That's it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, except for Donald Pleasance, but you don't want to talk to him. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not not what I'd call great company. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, that's my that's my prime list for now. Again, a small sample. I could have spent. So much more time writing down other movies and stuff, but I figured this is a pretty pretty robust selection. And again, like you know, these are all movies too that I think if you if you go to any of these and you like them, you know, there there's a lot of recommendations that Amazon will have that'll oh, you know yeah point you in the point you in the right direction. Yeah, uh, you know, if you watch Society, it it kind of it's got your number. You know, it can <laughs> right. recommend you recommend you some other <laughs> shit you're gonna like if you like that one. So 
Um, um, or or hit us up. You know, you can contact us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, or whatever. Yep, and I always post. Say, Yo, I, I always post all the links. Yep. Yeah, just say hey, I fucking really like this movie. You recommended anything else like it? We'd be happy to let you know. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna. Um, I got quite. I got a, a good a good selection of Hulu. Uh, is the 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 last leg of uh, of our episode here is uh, yeah. my Hulu takes and. Um, so the very first uh, movie I'm gonna I, I have to say I feel like Hulu is secretly beating Netflix in the content department. Mm, uh, okay. Really, 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 really hard because I will say that Hulu does have its fair share of like. I mean, I am a pretty good fan of like the Medea movies, like the Tyler Perry movies. Okay, and mm-hmm. they are all up there. Um, however, Hulu just put up uh, Monos which was my number one yeah. movie of our uh, top 10 of the decade. Yep. And uh, I won't go into a long thing about Monos because you can just listen to that episode. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, they have that up there. Most recently, um, this isn't on my list, but just as an example of stuff that they're putting up there, uh, The Nightingale uh, was just recently put up there uh, oh, okay. as well. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not recommending I, you watch it, but I mean, you yeah. know. <laughs> I... I I don't recommend watching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Personally, it was it's a I just fair warning there is a lot of fucking rape in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, a lot. Like a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. You see you're going to be watching a whole lot of rape for a while, so just, you know, fair warning. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I just I think it went a little overboard. <laughs> <laughs> um but I, I feel like they are are beating Netflix in the sense that they have a good amount of, you know, mainstream things for people to watch. But also they're highlighting a lot of like independent film, independent, um, what do you call it, uh, documentaries that are really great. There's a lot of original documentaries that they produce on top of uh, documentaries that just go straight to there. Like currently right now, Hail Satan. Uh, that documentary is is up there. Oh, nice. You know, so... Oh, yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, so a couple things off my list. Monos is definitely the top one uh, that, that's on my list that's on there. Uh, there's a really great documentary called... Uh, now that, you know, Batman, in a bigger way, is back in, like, the cultural zeitgeist with the new Robert Pattinson movie. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, hopefully still to come out on time. Um but there's a really great uh, doc that uh, Hulu produced called Batman and Bill, which is all about the hmm. uh, it's the untold story of the uncredited creator of Batman, Bill Finger. And oh yeah, that's right. You told me about this. Yeah, yeah. And um, the movie is basically you know the story of Bill Finger, and it, it seems like everybody that they interview, you know, like Todd McFarlane and people in the comic book world, it seems sort of like everybody knows that Bill Finger, like, actually created Batman, you know, like, a a bigger, like, Mm. he's the guy who, like, put the ears on him and put the cape on him and, like, all this, like, iconic thing that we, iconic uh, imagery that we know a Batman to be, like, Bill Finger is the one that created it, but he was never credited for it. Um, And um, it's a really, really great uh, documentary. Uh, And so um, that's exclusively on Hulu. Um... Another movie that uh, I was, I actually, when we were doing, when I was making this list, I was kind of kicking myself because it could have been a contender for top 10 of the decade. 
Mm-hmm. And I didn't even mention it like in our in our honorable mentions when we were doing it, but uh, the movie Fast Color is on Hulu. Oh, okay. Okay, directed by uh, uh, co co written and directed by Julia Hart. Um, it's a fantastic movie about a generation of black women who seem to all have a particular uh, ability, like abilities, um, and um, how they're sort of uh, one is you know. Our main character, who's played by uh, Gugu Umbathra, is uh, on the on the run, uh, basically because her her ability, at, it seems from the outset of the movie, is that she has these very dangerous seizures that cause the tectonic plates to shift on the Earth and cause earthquakes. And um, uh, it's a really, really, really great movie. Um, I would say it's kind of in the vein of. Um, I know I mentioned them at the beginning of the podcast, uh, I origins and another earth. There's like these, uh, very, very big ideas. Like it's, I don't want to call it a superhero movie cause there's a part of me that feels like if I call it that mm. I'm kind of, I don't want to say cheapening it, but it's, you know, they, these, it, yeah, that, I mean that, that, that distinction carries a lot of baggage with it. It does. You, know, you say something's a superhero movie immediately. We're thinking like a Marvel film it, or whatever, but right. it sounds like something pretty different. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a, it's way more, it's way more deeper, you know, than, than that. So I don't want to call it a superhero movie. It's, it's a drama first, uh, about, you know, family and, you know, this family and how they deal with the history of these things. And um, when I was able to hear Julia Hart talk about it, her and her husband, who co-wrote it with her, um, you know, I guess she was pregnant at the time. Uh, They were coming up, you know, breaking the story for this uh, movie. And um, one of the things they came about was they they felt that there wasn't a lot of uh, movies out there about mothers. And that was sort of like Mm. the you know, the nugget of information that they leapt off with about uh, creating the stories about like women and mothers and the in, the inherent power that women have to like, you know, carry life and give birth and all this kind of stuff. And, um, yeah. you know, almost in a way kind of make that a superpower. Uh, but, you know, um, not in not in a Marvel way whatsoever. Um, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, it's a really, really, really excellent movie. Um, and then, uh, my last, uh, couple ones are, uh, if you haven't seen, uh, Barry Jenkins movie, if Beale Street could talk, that's been up there for quite a while. Um, as follow up to Moonlight is really, really good. Really excellent. Um, and then, uh, two lighthearted movies, uh, just so that we, I feel like I'm always trying to find something that's a little bit like watch something that's happy, (laughs) you know, make Uh you feel good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is uh, a movie called Fighting With My Family uh, that has uh, Florence Pugh in it, and it's a true story of a uh, female uh, wrestler and her her road to the WWE. Uh, it's a really good wrestling movie, really good movie about family and, you know, going for your dream and everything like that. Uh, and nice. also a, um, a uh, an Ethan Hawke romantic comedy that is not the before series or anything uh but it's a movie called Juliet Naked and um it is actually based off a book uh the who's the guy that wrote the book High Fidelity Oh um oh man I don't remember God I can't think I can't anyways the 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 author it'll probably come to me while I'm talking about this 
the author who wrote the book High Fidelity, which the movie was based off of, he wrote this book, Juliet Naked, and it's the movie is based off his book. Okay, gotcha. And um, it stars uh, Rose Rose uh, Byrne and Chris O'Dowd and Ethan Hawke. And Rose Byrne, is, Rose Byrne and Chris O'Dowd are in a relationship in, I believe it's uh, England. And uh, Chris O'Dowd is obsessed with this uh, music artist named Tucker Crow, who did like one or two albums and then just virtually disappeared. Like his... Uh, his like last show he didn't even finish and he just completely disappeared off the face of the planet. And he, this is basically his obsession and um, it ends up ruining their relationship. They have like a 10 year, 10 plus year relationship or something. And uh, Rose Byrne ends up leaving a comment on uh, his fan, the fan page that uh, Chris O'Dowd has for Tucker Crow. And talks about how, like, the music's a bunch of shit. You know what I mean? Like, he's just <laughs> complaining about this, that, or whatever. Like, And she does it to piss off, you know, the, the boyfriend. Um, what ends up happening is after they break up, Tucker Crow actually emails her and says, you're completely right. Uh, I couldn't have said it better myself about the music. And they, her and the actual Tucker Crow end up having a correspondence with each other through email. And that's okay. kind of where, like, the this bit of a love triangle you know, uh, this comedic love trial come comes in and stuff. Um, gotcha. Uh, really good movie. Really entertaining. I was lucky enough to see it in a theater. It had like a small theater run. And uh, yeah, it's on Hulu. Sweet. So, Fuck yeah. So yeah, um, those are my picks for Hulu so far. I'm sure uh, the more podcasts we do, uh, if this one ends up being successful in <laughs> uh, audio wise. Yeah. You know, I'm sure we'll have some other some other extra picks for uh yeah seriously i I know as as we're at home watching stuff i'm gonna see more and more stuff popping up in the list i was like oh fuck forgot to mention that one so i'm sure we'll have some addendums yeah we'll try to uh you know as long as this keeps going we're gonna keep podcasting hell yeah so we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna have to keep coming up with you know more movies to tell you guys about so (laughs) yeah new. so i'm sure we'll i'm sure we'll just keep keep adding to this list as we uh, move forward but yeah i think we'll also hit up some of the other streaming services the more uh, specialized ones yeah, and um, you know, talk about the uh, amazing stuff they've got on uh, those services as well that are also well worth your time and money and support. Yeah, I think uh, you said, like next week you said we're gonna do Criterion and Shutter. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that should be, be good. I'm, I'm be gonna great. try and uh, use this week to watch some some stuff on Shutter actually. Yeah, no, it's a good call. Yeah, and uh, and also worth mentioning that you know it, it, this time as well, it's like the smaller streaming services like that are definitely the ones that could really like use people's support. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, like I don't you, Netflix and like Amazon aren't <laughs> really in any or Disney or Hulu for that fact are <laughs> probably not really in any danger of like going under. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, some of these smaller ones like Shutter and Criterion, this is like a real good opportunity to like, you know, to, to use up those, you know, we'll give you guys some recommendations. They all have at least like one week free trials. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, this is a really good time to, uh, you know, start taking a look at some of those and see if they're worth, you know, your time and your support. And, uh, if they've really got shit on there that, that you want to watch, cause a lot of those services, they have stuff that you really won't be able to find anywhere else. Um, and, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that next week. Word. All right. Well, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Dorian, thanks for doing this. Yeah, no, thank you, sir. This was a pleasure. And uh, we'll be back next week with some more recommendations. (laughs) Goddamn right. I mean, now that we can just do this from home, maybe we'll just fucking... (laughs) Right. We'll be texting, like, talking, and be like, you want to just 
record this i'm just gonna keep this up now like my whole setup is just gonna stay here. yeah right yeah. <laughs> why not yeah no this took me all of two minutes to get going yeah so yeah anytime i can just do this again throw so. it up hopefully it works out sweet awesome well thanks everybody and we'll see you next week yeah thank y'all <laughs>